Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to Bench Units. I'm Mark. I'm joined by James, as always. How's it going, James? Yeah, not too bad, thank you. How are you? Good, thank you. And we are joined by a guest who invited themselves on. I think that is number two all time, maybe. Oh, who so, was one? Uh, Yannick invited himself on way back, didn't he? Oh, yeah, that was big for us. We that knew was, we'd made it. That was big for us. No offence to our current guest. Um, <laughs> we are joined by... The person who invited themselves and then followed it up with I'm free all the time. We'll leave it up to our listeners as to whether that's a brag or a cry for help. If you know him, it's probably because you've mistaken him for Jim Palmer's dad at some point. And he's here to make wheelchair basketball cool three by three people at a time. Jack Gibbs, how's it going, man? I'm all right, thank you. Um, and just to clarify, you did say to me, if you need any help or you want to come on the podcast at some point, let us know. So then I'll let you know. You're right. I did, I did say that. I think it was long enough in between that I'd forgotten I'd said that. And I don't know if I ever really meant it. But here we are. Here we are. It's it's amazing what corners you back yourself into. Now, Jack, we're happy to have you. But before we get started on the actual stuff we want to talk about, every guest that has come on since Mark has been expecting a baby uh, I've asked them for baby names. So on the spot, do you have any suggestions for what Mark and Gabby should name their firstborn child? Uh, I think Robert would be a good name. Ooh, solid. <laughs> Actual Jim's dad. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I've got. Okay. Everyone's very heavy with the boy names. Everyone, everyone's very in with the boy names. And then it's like, you got a girl name? And everyone's like, yep, no, never thought about that in my life. That's nah. <laughs> unbelievably quick how you got to Robert there. So, nah, standard name for you. Fair Just think about Robert. Yeah. All right. Right. So, Jack, you're here because you guys at High Rollers are hosting your, I don't know if you can call it annual because COVID, but your 3v3 tournament is coming up in August. So before we get kind of into the bones of the episode, do you want to, give people a little overview of what that is and what they need to know in case all they're doing is listening to the first five minutes of this episode and getting out of here. Um, so the event is actually, that's already been and gone uh, okay. on the 18th of June. What's happening in August is um, there's an organisation called Ball Out 3x3, which is a 3x3 basketball organisation, uh, national, like they do a national tour. Um, and I've been trying to get us involved with them for a while. Um, they're giving us the opportunity to have four junior teams on the 13th of August to compete alongside 140 junior AB teams. Right. Um, and then on the, the 14th of August, four men's teams are able to compete as well. Awesome. Um, so cool. for people to get in touch with you and register their teams, what they got to do? Uh, just send us a message on Instagram or Facebook on, at High Rollers WBC or Gibbs. Awesome. So... Yeah, we're um, 3v3 or 3x3, as I resent it being called, is taking over the world. Um, before we get onto that, Jack, we're going to talk a little bit about you and how we got here. So okay. the icebreaker question we give everybody as they rock up to the podcast is, do you want to tell us a little bit about how you got started in wheelchair basketball? Um, okay. Um, I had an accident when I was 16 um, and while starting in hospital, a guy called Gordon Perry come and showed us wheelchair basketball. Um, and then 
off the back of that, I found Essex Outlaws, which is based in the county where I live, and that's all I've done since. That's all, <laughs> all you've done since is literally glossing over a little bit. <laughs> long one. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say we we're trying to get an R out of this, Jack. You can't just give us nothing. <laughs> um, but yeah, I've, I've been playing basketball since I was seventeen, really, since I become disabled, and I've stuck with it, and I really enjoy it. So keeps me sane to a certain degree um and <laughs> that's that really yeah i love basketball and that's what we do um cool. and we're trying to with the 3x3 and stuff we're just trying to sort of add a different dynamic to the standard five on five and the opportunities that are there with that um and just quite passionate about it really sure cool, cool man for anyone who's five-on-five wheelchair basketball player who's looking at the three-on-three stuff and thinks it's a bit of a gimmick or isn't that fussed about it, how would you talk them into it? Oh, yeah, me too. Mark raised his hand. I'm I'm going to the Commonwealth to play it, and I'm not <laughs> sure it's a real thing, but figure it out. Um, for me, I think it, it, you can play it on a half court. You only need six people. And even if you're playing, the, playing it with uh, two-on-two as well, it just... It, it, even if it's just a training tool for five x five on five, it's um, it's a short and intense game, and you can't switch off any. You can't sort of get a rebound, make a pass, and then casually push up the court or things like that. Like it's constant; you have to be switched on the whole time. Um, so your alertness and court awareness has to be on point, um, and your defense has to be. You have to be ready to defend the whole time. It's only ten minutes long, but it's it's constant for ten minutes. Um, and I just think it can it can complement the five on five game quite well with the things you can learn from it. Um, that's that's the main reason I like it because and it's fast as well and to watch. Um, I think for people that haven't maybe watched wheelchair basketball before and then got an hour and a half to watch a standard five on five game with timeouts and halftime and that you can watch a ten minute game and you're going to see a winner and a loser at the end of it and it's quite exciting. Um, so I think it's quite easy, a good way to get the sports seen by new people maybe that haven't, that don't want to watch a full game. Um, they can do a bit of it. Yeah, definitely. So yeah. You, I hadn't really thought about that in terms of like the the intensity and the non-stop nature of it, I guess. But I mean, it's interesting that you've kind of hit, hit on that immediately as the selling point because for people who are listening to this who maybe don't know you so well, your five-on-five career prior to this endeavor you've gone on you know you've played at pretty high levels you're in the GB program for a little bit you had a couple of years bouncing around in Italy and Germany and all that so it's not like you haven't you haven't played the five-on-five game at its at its highest level and you're only discovering like a new level of intensity now with the 3x3 stuff so when you're kind of building your 3x3 or whatever it may be and you know getting your team together and playing that kind of stuff how does that compare with you know the high level stuff five on five that you've done however many years back it may be do you look back at that and be like oh that seems really slow paced now uh, no it's, it's, it's just it's just a completely different game a different format different way to play the game you can't really compare it as such i think it's just it's a way to play the sport in its own right um and it can really, really complement, especially for beginners as well, just to teach the pick and roll and the spacing on the court. Because um, there's only three of you, it can, really, it can teach really good fundamental spacing and like cutting and like the real basic stuff really, you can really teach it. 
would you, would you recommend it even for five on five clubs as like a teaching tool? Cause that was the thing that struck me when I started playing it. Like everyone has to be able to shoot, pass and dribble. There's no hiding. You can't just like grow up sitting on a screen and yeah. not developing your game. And obviously I think even the lines on the ball are a good way to shoot kids out and teach kids how to shoot. Not a good way to shoot kids. Jesus Christ, I said that badly. <laughs> Um, no, you're right, because the ball, for people that don't know, the ball is a size six, but it's the weight of a seven. So it's sort of not caters for all, but it's an inclusive ball, if you like. I don't know what, but, but it's really good for handles and dribbles. Because it's a little bit smaller, it's easy to handle, and it's got really thick ribs in it, so you can sort of feel the ball better. So it is, I think it's brilliant, like James, you just said, for training. Like, it's something you can whack in a training session, like, like a full game is only 10 minutes. You can use it halfway through a session or something, just switch it up, just like, let's have a quick 3x3 game. Um, it, I think it's a fantastic training tool just as that but for promotion of the sport and stuff I think it's fantastic as well yeah man I think one of the big things for the promotion of the sport is going to be um, the 3x3 in the Commonwealth the wheelchair basketball games are mucked in with the same uh, in the same sessions as the able-bodied basketball games so if you okay. buy a ticket for an evening you'll see an able-bodied men's game, an able-bodied women's game, a wheelchair basketball men's game, a wheelchair Perfect. basketball women's game. And I think that's super cool. Like you might get, yeah. like I've spoken to people about going to Commonwealth and the sort of currency that I measure this in is eyes on wheelchair basketball and like kids picking it up after they see it. And I think yeah. this is a really cool way to get people involved, man. And that's why we, the event that we, we do, the reason we started that event is because there's 3x3 competitions going on all over the country, like national tours, things like that. And there's no wheelchair basketball ones. But if there is, like, and there's no disc to ball out, they're just doing what they can. But they have one day in Leeds where wheelchair basketball was available. And it was fantastic. I was there and there's lots of young players there that I'd never even seen before, but they were like quality players and really enjoying the day. But it's still only sort of a gesture. It's like one day in part of a whole national tour. I know there's not the amount of people and blah, 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 but... It's because, and the reason we're doing the event is because there's people that can, like people might come watch wheelchair basketball and, you know, they can appreciate that you're playing wheelchair basketball, but that's it. They don't know that you've got a good free throw technique or, you, you know, they don't see the, the details of the basketball skill that basketball, wheelchair basketball players have. But at these events, real basketball players can see how talented you are, not just that you're a disabled person playing sport. They can see that you're a basketball player in a wheelchair, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think... That's yeah. a massive point. It, it's like it's putting the show on in front of a basketball li- a basketball wow. aware audience, I guess. Yeah, not some grannies and an uncle that you know <laughs> don't know nothing. They clap if the ball goes in the hoop after a shot clock or something. They don't actually know what's going on. That's like, not their fault, but that yeah. happens. Whereas this is you've got yeah. a crowd of people that have trained for months on end to compete in that tournament, and then they're now watching you play as well. It really, and the event we just had, there's. There's some really good footage of like the, the I, I won't call it crowd, I call it the people that participated. Um, but they're watching the wheelchair games and their reactions, like especially to Lee Manning, it blew their minds. Like they couldn't believe this guy in a wheelchair, like obviously the four or five and that, but he's massive, his arms are up here, no one can touch him. And then they couldn't believe what they're seeing. And like this is Tom Harvey like falling out of his chair and stuff, like people were like, What the hell? Like this is incredible. Um, yeah. Sure. It- it's funny they were so impressed by Lee, given that 
you would think that watching him against everybody else, you'd be like, well, obviously this guy's the best. There's almost nothing impressive about this because he's so yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I, I thought it would be he's so good that he makes our sport look bad. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. We went and we scrimmaged against, well, we played against England in some like warm-up tournament stuff for the 3x3 stuff. And the first time I thought about how it would work with someone that dominant on the floor, but we went and played against him and was like, yeah, this game's broken and he's broken it. <laughs> like, <laughs> It's so but yeah, man, it's fun. Like I'm, I'm enjoying it, and it's also like for me, it's a really cool chance to play for Northern Ireland and wear green and this, yeah. that, and the other, which we'll not get into. But you know, it's that stuff's important. But it's good, yeah, yeah. right? It, def- it definitely is. And obviously, Jack, you're you've kind of been a little bit ahead of the curve with all this three x three stuff, which is now kind of as you mentioned is coming a bit more mainstream with you know the competitions that are going on around the country and then being included in the olympics um the, the able-bodied game and now in the commonwealth why do you think as someone who's been involved with it a little bit longer than everybody else why do you think now is the point that it's kind of trending up be it able-bodied or otherwise uh for wheelchair basketball it'd be the commonwealth games um and don't sound like a knobhead, but sort of some of the stuff that we've been doing as well. We've been pushing it for quite a few years now. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I think mainly the Commonwealth Games and the fact is it's played in the Olympics um, and it's in the Commonwealth now. And and there's also money to be made in the 3x3 like FIBA World Tour and that. Like the, We've done a demo in London recently and the people that won that tournament, which was only one day long, they got flown to Egypt after that. Um, okay. So there's obviously it's not quite like that for wheelchair basketball yet, um, but that's sort of the goal that there's the same opportunities for the, it's all the same. Um, and we had a few good chats on that day as well with sort of Mr. Red Boy for like, um, so yeah, it's quite promising and there's, there's good opportunities to be had. And again, all the people that saw that demo, they'd either seen wheelchair basketball a little bit or heard about it, but never seen it. But they were like, they couldn't amaze, they couldn't believe it. And the game is only 10 minutes, but it went into... It was a draw at the end, so it went into overtime for so his first, first and two baskets. And sure. yeah, great for the fans. People love it. <laughs> that's why it should be pushed. And that's why I think it's got popular as well, because people are seeing it a bit more and they're like, oh, this is really cool. Yeah. Um, do, do you think the whole the whole like quick fire games and stuff is like massively appealing to the like social media kids generation where they just don't have the attention span to watch like a full yeah. basketball game from start to finish? Yeah, that's I weird. think a, I think a lot of it's social media based because, yeah, it's 10 minute games. It's all about in the AB anyway, anywhere like a lot of it's flashy passes and sort of um, like good fakes and things like that. So it's sort of, it's sort of not showboating basketball as much, but this, you know, you're not there to win a yeah. championship. It's like, it's, it's a little bit more fun. Yeah, there is a bit of, there is a bit of a street ball vibe, but then they're kind of trying yeah. to push that. And I've heard them trying to push that in the wheelchair game, which I'm a bit like, eh. And I don't know, none of us can get off the floor, but I think obviously playing the width of the court with that much space kind of on like in terms of people playing on their feet, that you know, people get to the basket a lot more. And that's what people who like watching basketball casually really enjoy. So that's what they're pushing, I feel like. But mm. it's cool, man. I think it I think it looks unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. So shall we we'll wind it back a little bit because you kind of mentioned your club there as you were um, as you were talking about who to get in touch with, but 
the high rollers haven't been around a massive amount of time. Um, no. You mentioned you were with Essex Outlaws for a little bit. You bounced around, you played for London. But yeah, you kind of came back from playing in Europe and you started this club from the ground up. And I think you guys did the thing that every UK club has to do when they start new and work all the way up, even though you've got very established players who literally transplanted from a club that was a 10 minute driveway. Um, yeah. No shots being fired there. But um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, what, when you started High Rollers, did you kind of see it as was 3v3 the aim there? Or were you just thinking, we'll just start a club and get, you know, keep a club in Essex kind of thing as Outlaws had just folded? And did 3v3 kind of come along naturally or was that always the goal? Um, so, yeah, our team only exists really because Alan, who and his dad, who run Essex Outlaws, sort of, I've got a job and a partner and stuff. It just, the time wasn't there and it was hard for, for someone to take over as such and as as a different club and it, it was hard for him to let go, which I totally understand. So the, the only way around it um, was sort of, we'd start, we'd start up and we'd, we'd start again sort of thing. But basically, yeah, it's sort of, there's no way that there won't be a club in Essex even if it's not even in the league. There will be a sort of, our little group of people's duty to do that because we don't, no one else will. Um, so it's ultimately just so that there was a club for us to play and we could just start again and keep it going. Um, the 3x3, I think even before that had started, I've been to Israel for a 3x3 tournament, um, I think in 2017 maybe. Um, so I was already on that. But no, the, the team wasn't set up for 3x3, just, just so there's a team in Essex in the league. Um, it's as simple as that. It's not to be the best or any of that. It's just, Simply to have an opportunity for people to play. It's <laughs> no bigger than that, really. Um, yeah, I was I was going to ask that. Do you think there's a sort of having grown up and had so many cool opportunities and done international stuff and you know traveled playing basketball? Do you feel yeah. some sort of obligation when you had the opportunity to keep wheelchair basketball in Essex? Like, is that something that's important to you? Uh, yeah. As with the, I'm free all the time. I'm free all the time for this for basketball. This is what I do. <laughs> Um, so yeah, it is an obligation, um, and there's you know it will it will be what it, there will be a team in Essex, whether we're any good or not, it doesn't matter. There will always be a session for people to come play wheelchair basketball. Uh, we are trying to grow it as much as we can because we're crap at the moment. <laughs> we've only got like <laughs> we're scraping, we're having a like call on all sorts of people just to get the team signed for the to enter the league. Um, but we're the only team in Essex and basically the whole of East Anglia. Because um, a few clubs have folded due to BWB's rules. Um, I'll leave that there. Um, but, and it's a shame, but we are the only club that actually exists now for like two, three hours' drive. Like, if you don't count London, obviously London's got Titans, and that'll always be. But other than that, there's nothing going on around it. Um, yeah. So, yeah, this is my duty, my obligation to keep it going and try and find. You know, try and find the next Charlie McIntyre. Like he started with us, and you know he's oh, been cool. taken to the Commonwealth. Um, he was playing for us since he was seven or eight years old. Um, I had no idea, his... man. Yeah, that's why he's so good. No, I'm he's a good player. <laughs> I'm joking. Man. He's, a, he's, <laughs> I'm joking. He's, a, he's a good player, and he's also a really, really good guy by the looks of things. Like I've only dealt with him a couple of times, but it seems yeah. like he has a good head on his shoulders. And he's fantastic. I'm his biggest fan. If I'm honest. Um, makes me sad he don't play for us, but. 
I don't blame him. I wouldn't play for us. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I don't mean that. I love this team. We just need to make it business for new players, young players. Uh, but yeah. He, yeah, he's been with us since he was seven or eight. The first uh, few sessions he came to us, he was like eight years old, training with you know old men, and he's just wheeling about, whistling and playing quite well. When we were like, how's this happen? And he's, he's been doing it ever since. Like he scored his first basket in uh, Germany in a semi-final in Berlin with us. Um, his first men's and he was 13 he still wasn't allowed to play in the league um, and he got MVP the next tournament and then we won it the year after that um, and if it weren't for him he wouldn't have um, so he's, he's yeah and he's exactly the sort of person that the reason why the club exists and why we're doing what we do um, and he only found us by chance by Richard Kiyazara who does talk he's a wheelchair racer yeah. um, does talks in schools went to school saw Charlie sitting in there looking miserable or whatever and that was that didn't let him out of his sight and got him into the basketball and yeah and here we are he's in Birmingham today I think doing like promo day for 3x3 which is it's all pretty ironic as well so it's all just it's pretty cool um, yeah that that must, circle, feel, man. that must feel like your first protege like having properly climbed the ladder right you must yeah. be a, a proud parent at this point yeah Daisy, my partner took the mic at me a few times today because I'm just like wheeling around like all happy and like go on Charlie like, <laughs> you, you, know, you do realise he's not your son I'm like yeah I know but no yeah, it's, yeah and that's what, why we're doing what we do because there's and as you all know you know you, you need sport very important to to life and that's why this club exists and that's why the three, again the 3x3 is so good because it's a, just another opportunity it's not just trying to be the best or to trying to get in the top 12 in the country or to try and play in the Premier Division, Premier League. It can be to win the ball out 3x3 tournament or the high roll of 3x3 or yeah. it's just another another platform. It's not it's not to like take it or like the... Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah, I get yeah. So cool. when you... I guess this is last que- maybe last question on kind of the, the high rollers side of things, but mm. having come from, like we said, playing pretty competitively and at you know various high levels around Europe mm. and you've kind of taken up this role as the caretaker of the wheelchair basketball legacy do yeah. you what what's your own kind of outlook like now in you know in development of your own game versus development of players and whatever it may be do you look back at you know, your days playing in, in Italy or Germany or wherever else and be like, I'm actually way happier just, you know, pushing this this club along and seeing what it can become? Or do you do you look back at the high-level stuff and be like, oh, they were the days? Uh, it's a different part of life, really. Um, don't think I can sort of, like, when I was doing, like, training properly every day, and I absolutely loved it. Um, but, yeah. Um, but it's just a different... different part of the journey now um, I, I've achieved what I wanted to achieve for myself for me and nobody else even though I was playing on teams and that ultimately I was there for me um, I achieved what I wanted in those situations um, so I'm sort of switched off now like I just need to not get too fat like that's just literally as deep as it is <laughs> like I just need to not get obese real quick and it's very hard to stop but um, yeah in regards to myself like I, I train on myself like I can do my own training it's not a problem and I can enjoy that just as much as I did when I was sort of trying to be one of the best or whatever like I can enjoy enjoy the process and I still love training um, sure. if there's any club out there that wants a fat one point and a three year old let us know <laughs> um, there, there's plenty is there 
So, someone will take you. you should um only it's by the beach. <laughs> we were talking to um after we'd spoken to Sean Norris the other day, he was asking mm. us what happened with the um like the IWBF player seeks a club page that used to be knocking around in the oh yeah. The day. And I, you, when you said that, I have fat one pointer and a three year old. I was like, that is a bio for that page. <laughs> <laughs> See if anyone bells you up after that. That page actually went down like literally two days ago. Oh, did it? Um, but it's, it, they've updated and it all actually works better. It functions better and everything. So check it out. Oh, decent. Yeah, yeah. If anyone's still hunting for a club at this point in the summer, then the IWF Player Seeks a Club page is still there. Well, if anyone wants to come and live in Essex, we're looking for fours. You've got space for a tent outside if you want to stay here. I was gonna, I was gonna say what what's the um what's the wages like? None. <laughs> zero. It cost, zero. It costs you loads of money to be involved with. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm joking. Um, that's the gig in the UK, though. That's that's. that's that literally, it. if you can drive and you've got a vehicle, you can definitely play for us. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Please don't be a one pointer because we've got hundreds of it. Um. <laughs> oh, you could just have a one-point factory. Oh wow! Oh mate, that's well, that's it because we've got this court renovated, and that like we we do sort of want people to come here and train and stuff like use it as a training facility. That is the dream. Okay, well, you've just segued us very nicely there because we've got a point in our run down here to talk about your um, custom basketball court you've just had done. Oh, okay, and the, the and the point is, what in God's name and how did it come about? <laughs> So the artist that's done it is called Zermillion, uh, and he's from Los Angeles. And I mean, was it? I don't know if you've heard about the hoop bus in LA or America. They've got two now, but I was sort of involved with that at the start of that. Um, and I went out there for the launch of it. And I'd already spoke with this artist uh, to ask him to do like, some graphic for me or something. Uh, and then I met him there, and then we spent. Uh, the next day, because I took a wheelchair there to leave with the bus so that if anyone disabled wanted to try it or anyone just to try a wheelchair bus when they could. So he was going to spray paint it all. Um, but he said, meet me at the at the beach in the morning, but he didn't have the wheelchair. But he was like, it's cool. we paint the graffiti walls instead. I'm like, whatever, man. Like, I'm really, <laughs> this is all pretty out of the world. Out of, like, I'm having an out of mind experience. It's all crazy anyway, so whatever. And then he, he painted Paralympic experience on one of the most prolific places to sort of do graffiti and he didn't he didn't want anything for it he asked for a taco which is like a dollar um, <laughs> and that was it he put, he put like $300 worth of painted stuff like it just like a real nice gesture um, and then I've stayed in contact and then I've always had a half court in my garden where I live and I've always wanted a massive wheelchair logo you know like the blue badge parking logo yeah. I've always wanted that <laughs> on it so you can see it from Google Earth, so but a ball, so you can sort of see that it's going in the hoop, but from a wheelchair logo. I told yes. him that, and he was like, "Yeah, I can. We can make that happen." And, and then obviously he's an artist, so he made the design a little bit more exciting. I had what had one initial question uh, when I spotted this thing, and we may need to edit this out. But so we're having the <laughs> we're having the baby's room done up at the minute, and yeah. we had a guy come around and give us a quote, and he was like, "Yeah, that'll be so much." Um, yeah. He said, don't sweat it, I'll provide the paint. Did this guy who came and did yours, did he provide his own LSD to do this painting? Because whatever he's taken, I want some of that. Uh, I think he provided himself with all the chemicals he needed before he got here. <laughs> and he 
I did. I provided him with the paint when he got here, but no LSD. He didn't need any LSD to paint it. Okay, fair enough. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, what he does in his own time has nothing to do with. Yeah, him. but if you do look, there is a chemical symbol on the court, which again, I didn't even know what it was. But <laughs> if there's any scientists out there, they can work out what that is, and that would be all the answers you need, basically. <laughs> we'll bear that in mind. We'll get it. We'll get our team on it. That's the, so he's got that. So he's got the rollers part sorted. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's cool. It's cool, man. It's um. So is that actually for people who don't know? Is that actually in your house? That custom no, it's, it's in my garden. Um, but it's basically most of my garden. Um, not complaining the slice. I think it's amazing. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and he's done that to sort of help promote the sport as well. Like obviously, it's a massive canvas for him, and it's an opportunity for him to leave America and stuff like he's uh, he's never gone further than Mexico or America so it's a great That's opportunity cool. for him yeah so it's a great opportunity for him to come and for the like for the whole sport like because he's painted courts for like Kawhi Leonard and things like, and Dwight Howard and, like real oh, job wow. yeah like and I haven't had to sort of technically pay him like he's worth sort of thing um, yeah. it's a real honour does, does he have Instagram do you want to show it might if you've if oh you've... yeah 100% um, his, well one of his Instagrams is called Zer Million spelled Z-E-R Million um, and then his other one is Ruthless Creations with a Z instead of an S at the end and yeah just check out some of the stuff he's done and for anyone that <laughs> he's added grip to the court as well so not many, not many people in the UK play basketball outside but Sometimes the problem you have is the court is a bit slippy. He's solved that um, with the surface he's put on it, and it's unbelievable. Um, really? Yeah. Um, a, mo- a lot of people get their courts painted and then they're slippy afterwards because they haven't used the right. Well, wh- when you said he was, you were giving him a chance to leave the States and whatever else, I was jokingly going to ask if you thought he'd be free to come and paint the baby's room instead of the guy we've got on the hook. But if he's been doing courts for Kawhi Leonard and all that, I'll probably not waste his time. No, he's a little bit busy. Unless you want to fly him in from America and put him up. Um, organising something like this must be mental. Like, What sort of effort and organisation goes into putting something like this together? It must be a lot of work. What, the event? Yeah. Oh, mate. Um, I'll be honest. <laughs> yeah. Um, I won't be able to do that many of them, if I'm honest with you. They are as stressful as that last one was, if I'm honest with you. Um, I need a sponsor so I can pay people to do it all. Because uh, I had two ladies there called Zena and Annick, and if it wasn't for them, oh, and Liana, if it wasn't for them three, it wouldn't have happened. Um, and they're professionals, though. So. That's is why it, they is this your way of saying you didn't do a lot of it? Well, no, I've done everything before the day and then the day happened and I just, it, it didn't go to crap. But um, I, I forgot to take scoreboards. Like, oh, <laughs> vital part of a basketball tournament, scoreboards. Like, what an idiot. Um, You're just but, sitting there, two hands up, being like, all right, first to five. <laughs> rules are rules. It was a bit ridiculous at one point, but we went, but that's it. Everyone there had a good time in the end, so it was all right. And it didn't go how I'd hoped it went either. It's like, but no one knows like the vision I had in my head on how I wanted it to go. So it's not a sort of a failure in everyone else's eyes. Everyone else had a great time. But sure. in my head, it didn't quite, it didn't quite work how I'd planned. But yeah, I think, I think with that stuff, it's always like you will have had the highest expectations of anybody, right? Because you've put yeah. your heart and soul into it for, you know, months in advance kind of thing. So yeah, 
I don't I don't think anyone who organizes anything on that kind of scale ever comes away being like that was exactly spot on everything I hoped it could be because it's just not realistic nah. to do that yeah. that amount of time. But I mean, everyone who has come to the tournament has, you know, you've run it past years and stuff like that. And people are obviously coming back. So you're obviously roping people in, in yeah. repeat customers or, you know, words getting out or whatever it may be. So are you year by year, are you kind of looking at this event as it's happening and being like, we're headed in the right direction? Or do you think there's there's more levels you need to take it to? 100% more levels you need to be taken to, but it takes, like, yeah. I've put, I've spent a lot of money on the last one, like, you know, thousands. Um, and that's okay. I've done that and I, I've set aside for that to happen. Um, but it can't, I need, we need sponsors, basically, and people that actually know what they're doing. Because ultimately, I just want to play basketball. I don't want to run an event. I'm not an events organiser. I just want to play basketball. But I want the situation to be an event to run like the ball out runs across the whole country. Um, and there's opportunities for people in wheelchairs to play all across the country, not just one day. So that's why I've done the event. But I'm not an events organiser. So, yes, we need it to keep running because, again, it's a great opportunity and stuff. But I need some people to either really help out or <laughs> some some money so I can pay people to do it. Um, yeah, because you got to pay all the referees, you got to pay technically table officials as well. Um, if it's all done officially, you need it's a lot of money. Um, but everyone loves it, right? Everyone. Um, yeah, so it needs to continue. Um, just need to get some more money. Do you think the way to get sponsors in is to go independently and get people on board, or do you think there's an avenue to like tie on to? Something that already exists with able bodied but three x three. We sort of try. Well, that's sort of what with the thing that we mentioned at the start in August. That's sort of I forced my way into that door years ago, and we done our demo. And again, you can find a picture of Charlie Mack on there when he's like fourteen or thirteen. Oh, um, he'll hit you for that. Oh, he looks so <laughs> different now. Um, and we got a foot in the door there, and then they've they've sort of. They then then we done our own event and they helped me do that um, in a roundabout way and then they got involved with BWP and they done it for one thing and then I assumed they were just going to continue to do that for whatever reason that hasn't happened um, I don't know why um, so that's why they contact me again like we need really want to get this wheelchair thing off going sort of thing so the people want to want to do it but they don't know anything about wheelchair basketball they don't know the teams exist they don't know how many people play it like where they are or anything they know nothing and that's not their fault um, yeah. but. Yeah, I can't remember what the question was. <laughs> Rambling. I think it, it's interesting, though, because you... I can't remember what year you guys first did it, um, but you had... It had been pre-COVID, but you had, like... Yep. I think Mariska came over from the Netherlands, right? Yep. And you had, like, some big, biggish names there to say you were just getting off the ground. So, yeah, you know, that, that must have been for your first ever run out at it. You must have looked around on the day and been like, hey, this is about as good as this could have gone. Well, it, that that went better than I thought it could have gone. So, and I hadn't really, I had tried. Obviously, I put a lot of time and effort into it. But I thought, well, this one is going to bang. It's going to be so much better. I've got, I know exactly, I know more what I'm doing. But the timing of it wasn't too good because I had uh, sleeping on the sofa for a month, painting my house, so on my court. So it's a bit of bad prep, really. Um, but at the same time, really cool. Um, but yeah, there, it can be so much bigger and so much better. Um, I know that for a fact. Um, it just takes more than myself doing it and 
a little bit more help. Um, but it's 100% can be done so much better, yeah. <laughs> so much bigger. Um, and everyone that's attended the events, even the atmosphere, they like the music and the atmosphere and stuff like, it's different to everything else that's going on, but it's nothing like it. Um, so we could try and latch onto something else, like, but I think we can just do it our own way. We just need a bit of money. Sure. Um, do you, you say you think you can level it up from your side, you know, with a, a bit more getting used to a bit more funding to put into it. So yeah. from the side of people who are like attending and, you know, showing up to play, do you get the level of response that you're hoping for? Is it, you know, kind of growing? Are you seeing the people show up that you want to show up? You know, yeah. have, you, have you got a white whale guest who you like, I'd just love it if this guy had brought a team, like just so he was there on the day? Yeah, it'd be Mark Schofield and the Steelers. <laughs> <laughs> Not happening, man. I'm retired. <laughs> Mark, um, me, and you, me and you could play with an able-bodied player. We, we Jason could. Kennedy. Hey, let's do it. I'm down for that. I'll come out with <laughs> that one. Um, no, yeah, like because uh, with the, the way the FIBA works, you can put the registration, you can announce, you can have a certain time it opens if you like. So you can only sign up after 10 a.m. on a Saturday, the 12th, yeah. or whatever. So I, I made that very clear. Like, there's only 12 spots for each, and they're going to go quick. A little bit of you know, hyping up when it's not really there, but that's what it is. Uh, but it works. Um, so I had like eight teams sign up in like the first day or two right. um, but what went wrong had but RGK Mike Sheen um, he got all excited and locked his team in like yeah like we've got a really stacked team so it was really cool for the event like got some the best players in the world coming fantastic but then unfortunately it stopped players other teams signing up because they were scared because they didn't want to waste their time or look stupid and then that lovely guy Mike Sheen pulled out like a day before the event with his three top tier players because he's such a nice guy. Like he's so Oof. nice. Yeah. So apart from that, like the players that we've had sign up, like it's, and ultimately there's like people like James and the top 12 and that, they've got all the opportunities in the world and under their, in their pocket sort of thing. It's not for them really. It's cool if they come, it's great if they come, but it's not, that's not who the event's focused at. It's a, a complete different group of people. Not in the nicest way. Like it's a, it's a different opportunity. But then if we yeah, but then if we if we have like six stacked teams turn up, then fantastic. Then we really can change the event a bit and have top level intermediate juniors or whatever. Sure. Um, yeah. But it'll come. That'll come. Yeah, that's what I mean. Um so but yeah, the players have had to sign up and compete, like, you know. And there's some of the North, like Tom Harvey and um Kiko Jack Long, I think. Um quality little players. I've literally never seen them play before. Um they're fantastic. Um, so yeah, it's really getting some the players that you know, and people that are keen for it as well. Um, instead of like begging prolific players to come and play, like I've got yeah. people that are chomping at the bit to play. Um, sure. And we you know, don't need the has-beens or whatever. We want the young ones that can make something. Build it and they will come. Yeah, literally. And you've built it, man. You've done it. I think you, like you say there about you know not not wanting to beg people or whatever that's definitely that strikes me as a an outcome that's come from you running your own club where mm. you get to a point where you're like okay we could have all these people however i would much rather have the people who are like raring to go and committed rather than the people who i'm having to chase week in week out to, you know come to training and come to games yeah. lift sorted whatever else it's it's kind of nice the idea to put on a tournament that is just for the people who really want to be there. And if you don't want to be there, then... This, 
that's fine. Yeah, like, I had a few people message me like, "Yo, can I enter a team?" I'm like, "Do you realise it's like next week?" They're like, "Yeah." I'm like, "Right, if you know about the tournament, you know that it's full. Like, <laughs> if you've got this far, you must know a bit more about it. Like, how have you got this far?" And they're like, "Well, thought we could just enter a team." I'm like, "There was a timeline. You had a deadline, and the deadline's gone." Like, yeah. we can't just add you a team because you're a disabled team. I'm sorry, it's not the way it works. Like, yeah, have to do it in time and then you can play. And he's like, oh, and even some kid messaged me in the morning of the event. He's like, yeah, I was wondering if I could play today. I'm like, yeah. are you joking? He's like, yeah. And it was like a two and a half hour journey. I'm like, mate, I'm sorry. Like, you can come and try your luck, but I'm busy. I'm actually running an event right now. Like, I, can't, <laughs> I can't find you a team. Like, sorry. Like, if you can get here, do what you can. But, so yeah, it's, um, but again, and it, it really did show the people that were keen for it. And and I sort of knew some of the teams. I knew they were going to flake. I knew it before it even... And it, and they did. Um, but so And that really did mess it up on the day. Um, so I'm going to have to do it in a bit of a different system next time. I have to make people pay before the event. So that if they bail, they lose 50 quid, which will change people's attitudes on it. Because yeah. um, they... Anique, or Iowa, more than money uh, like she had like an hour and a half stress and the event was held back over an hour and a half because of people that bailed either two three days before or on the day uh, really messing up the schedule which takes only half an hour to do and then bailing to get like it was yeah so i'd have to do it different next time but yeah it can be epic Look. and mark you will attend one day i'm, I'm sure that's the main <laughs> goal if you turn up we know we've made it Okay, cool. <laughs> the, the, the team, the team in ten years will be me, Mark, and his yet unborn child. Oh, wicked! Because me and my three-year-old, we have three years on him. <laughs> me, me, Mark, and Robert. <laughs> cool. All right, Mark. Should we shift it on? Should we go questions? First thing written in from the listener from Jan Haller, and it says, "Not a question. Just tell him he's a legend, and I miss him." So there you go. <laughs> awesome. I love that guy. Yeah, he's he's been a guest with us before. He's a he's a good guy. I listened to that tonight. I've been listening to a few of them, but I haven't listened to the Halloween one. Okay, cool. That mm. one's a, that one's on YouTube. If you and or anyone else wants to check it out, oh, that's sweet. Okay. I will. So this one is from Yelma, and he says, "Does he still think Frank is the tank?" He's talking about Frank De Jong here. Oh, the massive guy. Maybe I did because he's huge. The guy with long hair. <laughs> Yeah, he's massive, man. Oh, he's huge. Yeah, probably, I, I can imagine I've said that, but I don't know who I've said that to. Cool. Um. <laughs> Fair enough. Next question uh, by former belt holder Soren Miller: Is he still driving his RS six? Are you? Uh, yeah. Nice. Begrudgingly <laughs> and very slowly, but yeah, yeah. Oh, really? Mm. Is that is that your is that your dad car then? Yeah, it's an estate, isn't it? Just go pretty <laughs> <really> quick. <laughs> It's massive. You can fit like four wheelchairs in there and two people. Well, that, that's four wheelchairs is one more than what you need for your 3x3 team. So I don't see why you should have to have that car. Eight chairs, isn't it? James, do you want to do the the stock questions that we try and get some sense out of people? All right. Here's my two questions. One is one is good. One is stupid. Uh, would you like the good one or the stupid one first? Uh, whatever. Okay. Uh, okay, stupid one first. What's the weirdest thing you've ever seen on a basketball court? Weirdest thing I've ever seen on a basketball court? Yeah. Yeah, I think I've got it in my garden. Uh, oh, have I done it? Um, 
oh, I've got some gold. I just don't want to say it out loud. <laughs> I know, that's the I've thing. some real gold. Um, it's not being said on here, yeah, sorry. That's the issue. All right. And the other question is, what's the best piece of advice you've ever been given? That's a good one, that. Um, in terms of basketball, um, sort of just do everything. Like try your hardest and don't listen, listen to what people's advice they give you and stuff. But sort of only listen to a few of trusted voices. <laughs> don't take everything as gospel what people tell you when you first start because it can lead you down the wrong path in, your, in the way that you play the game. Do you want, yeah. do you want to name and shame any of those people? Uh, Hajj Lamar is the person that gave me the advice and I'll never forget and he gave it, he said it to me at the perfect time in my basketball career and it helped massively. Um, so there's no naming and shaming but I'm, he had said that to me. Told me a very important point. <laughs> yeah. Lovely. All right. And um, Mark, last question finishes off. Yeah. Last thing before we get out of here, Jack. So mm-hmm. we do a regular segment on the Bench Units podcast where we award the Bench Units belt, which has no strict criteria other than whatever the hell we feel like to whoever the hell we feel like. And there's no games on at the moment, although the America's Cup has just started today. So maybe. There's some award-worthy performances. But while there's not many games on, do you want to hand out the bench units belt to someone who you think deserves it for whatever reason you deem fit? No, Charlie McIntyre. No one else. Um, we should he trained, that one coming, shouldn't we? Yeah, training since he was eight. He's bust his ass. He isn't in part of no GB Academy or anything yet. Um, but it's no funding, no nothing. And he's now being stepped for the Commonwealth. And there's kids below him that are going to all these academy trainings this and that and he's just done this all off his own back training at 9pm in a sports hall on his own and things like that like he's a legend um, and that's why he's so good and he's so good and he's also a nice lad because he's got really nice parents as well that back him all the way so yeah Charlie McIntyre awesome keep keeping it in Essex then yeah although he's got, he's got a northern girlfriend he plays for Wakefield all right. Northerners aren't all bad, you know. I feel compelled. I know. They're the best. <laughs> right. And Have we had anything right. else, James, or should we get out of here? No, end of the question and end of the podcast. Jack, thank you very much for your time. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you for having me. Um, and if anyone wants to play basketball at this court, please send us a message. We're trying to get some games going with cash prizes before the end of August. Cool. You heard cool, it man. here. Probably not first, but you did hear it here. <laughs> All right, hit him up uh, at High Rollers um, or Jack Gibbs. Cheers, thanks. For that. Have a good training camp, James. Cool. Take it easy. Right, I'm going to get Mark. out of here. Cheers for listening. Thanks for listening, guys. <laughs>